one thing is what we're getting ready to talk about and something that eludes many of us, something that we long for, yet instead of enjoying this thing, we have a constant feeling of uneasiness and unrest. Um, when he really wants us not to feel that way. And so when we sing and agree with the statement, great is thy faithfulness, and I heard some, I heard some people singing, which was great. Um, when we sing and agree with that, we have to know that if God wants it for us and says that it is possible, then it's pretty much a done deal. We just have to live it. Amen? Amen. So I want you to turn this morning to Philippians chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4, and as you turn there, I want to ask you, if you consider yourself or have you ever seen people, or are you one of these people, that just seems to have it all together? You look like you've got everything you need, you got a nice job, you got a nice house, you got a nice car. You know people like that? They just look like they got everything together. And then when you talk with them for a little bit or you, you observe them for a while, you see that that doesn't seem to be enough. Just not quite enough, is it? And then we also know people that seem to have, you know, nothing. They live paycheck to paycheck. And they've experienced a lot of loss in their lives. And they don't really have much. But these people seem to have an unmistakable peace and contentment. Isn't that the way? Isn't that the way it always is? Those that seem like they have everything can never get enough. And those, many of those that seem to have nothing seem to be at peace and have a contentment that's hard to understand. And yet when we see that as children of God and we see that, hopefully there's something within us that tells us, I can live that way too. And that's what God wants for me. And the, the, alarming, the alarming statistic for our country is that over half of us in America, uh, the land of the free and the home of the brave, over half of us, and this is a little, little uh, dated statistic, so I think it may be more than that taking the past couple years into consideration. But back then, over half of us felt like our lives were dull, they were boring, and we wished we had more or we wished it was different than it was. And that's interesting because we have the highest per capita income of any, any place in the world. But we also have the most people who are discontent with their lives, uh, who are pessimistic about their future. So where are all these people that I mentioned earlier, where are the people who are content with life, with God, with everything? Where are these people? I have found one, and he talks to us in Philippians chapter 4. Let's read. Philippians chapter 4. Let's begin with verse number 10 of Philippians chapter 4. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. And such a beloved verse for really just about everybody a bit. But we, we hear Paul make the statement... I have learned the secret of being content in every single situation. Every situation. And what's interesting is for him to be able to say this because his circumstances were lousy. You understand he was writing these words 
as he was in prison. And his health was deteriorating. He was pretty much broke. And he had a lot of his friends that had deserted him. You know, his life would make a really great country song, wouldn't it? No offense for those who love country music, but it sounds like a country song, doesn't it? I've lost my friends. I've lost my money. I'm in jail. Okay, let's move on. That's, that's, that's who he was. That's what he was going through. And yet he was able to say those words, Boy, I'm able to be content in all things. So what Paul is saying here is, is important for all of us to hear. And his definition of contentment, I think, would go something like this. It's having a spiritual balance having a spiritual balance that is independent of the circumstances that I'm in. Now think about that. Being spiritually balanced, being okay spiritually, independent of what's going on in my life, independent of what's going on in the world, and being able to main, maintain that. And he's telling us, and this is important to know, is that our contentment is not dependent on our situations and we've had some doozies of situations of late uh everyone that i know of has struggled with something whether it's health uh fear you know we've we've got circumstances in our lives we're going through stuff we probably never thought we'd ever have to go through in our wildest nightmares and so here comes paul and he says Hey, I've learned how to be content in every situation. And when he says every situation, he means even situations similar to what I'm going through and what you are going through. And that word contentment there, what that means is, and I hope this means something to you, the word contentment in these verses means contained and satisfied. Contained and satisfied. I think another word for that is saved and secure. You know, because my salvation is something that nobody can touch. My salvation is something that no circumstance can change or alter. And I am satisfied with Jesus. And I am satisfied with what he has done. I'm satisfied with what he is doing. And I'm satisfied with what he is going to do. And I want to be like Paul. When Paul says, whether I get the help that I need or not, whether I get what I feel like I need or not, that's going to be okay. I'm going to be satisfied. And this is not the only place you're going to find this in Scripture. There are a couple other places we see this sentiment, this idea being explained to us of contentment, being content. If you go back to the psalm, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. He's all I need. The Lord is my shepherd. I'm satisfied in Him. The Lord is my shepherd. I find my contentment in Him and our relationship together. And in the New Testament, if we, if we moved forward to, to, or went to Hebrews chapter 13, He says, be content with what you have. Be content with what you have. And how can we say that? Because of this, God said that he would never leave us and that he would never forsake us. I will not fear what can man do to me. There's, there is our stance. That's, that's the way we live right there. That's what we need to hear every day. That's what we need to remind ourselves of every single day. But how do we get there? How do we live a contented life? How do we live a satisfied life? Be truly satisfied. I think, I think just these few verses have a world of information to give us on how to be content. Let me ask you this before we go any further. Are you content in your life right now? Do you know that being content is something God wants for you, but you still have that uneasy, queasy feeling that things just aren't right and they're never going to be right and they couldn't be any worse than they are. 
are, are you able to be content in that type of a situation? To have internal peace, even though you've got external chaos going on. I'm going to say this. I hate when I'm not content, because I've, I've lived both discontent and content. And I don't like how I respond, and I don't like how I act, and I don't like what I say when I allow the external chaos to mess with my internal peace because I'm not who God wants me to be. So what can William do? What can I do? What can you do? Let's look. Let's take a look at these verses. And I want, to real, I want us to realize, first of all, that being content is something that you acquire. Being content is something that you learn. It is a learned trait. It is an acquired trait. He even said it. Paul said it in verse 11. He said, I have learned to be content. Learned to be content. So contentment does not come naturally. Contentment doesn't come quickly. It's not something that you can get in a one-time experience. It's not like, oh, I'm content. Now I'll be content forever. No. It's not a one-time experience and you've got it for good. But it is something that you and I learn to be. And it's not something you find. It's not a gift that somebody gives you. It's a learned skill. Content is a learned skill. I know all of you have heard people say, uh, either in real time or on TV, boy, if if I could just win the lottery, if I could just win the lottery, then I would be happy. Or if I could just find a mate, if I could just find somebody to spend the rest of my life with, then I would be happy. Or if I just had this, or if I just had that, I would be happy. And those are the kind of ideas that you and I have that bring us misconceptions and lies about happiness. Because you know those things don't provide happiness. They can't. They can't do that. And so we have bought into some things over the years that have really messed with our being content. And I want to share some of those with you. I think that having this thought, I must have what other people have to be happy, is a dangerous way to think. This is so contrary to what Paul was telling us. But... I must have what other people have to be happy. And you know, parents, we've heard our kids say this. Everybody's got one. Why can't I have one? Everybody has one. I'm the only one that doesn't have one. Why won't you give me one? If you will give me one, I'll never ask for anything again. That's, you know, we've all heard that. Uh, but... Our contentment does not depend on the quantity of things that we have. If that were the case, then you would buy maybe two or three outfits of clothing and you would never need any more. Now, wouldn't that be great? You wouldn't have to worry about shopping. wouldn't have to worry about going to the store and trying stuff on. Just buy a couple of pairs of clothes and you're set for, what, five or six years. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? So quantity does not bring contentment. And what Paul has told us here is that he has learned how to live with very little. He has learned what it's like to live with much, but he's also learned how to live with very little. And the devil's deception here is this, that more stuff will bring us happiness. But that's never true. It's never been true. Whenever have you gotten something you longed for and thought in your mind, if I could get that, then my happiness would be complete. And a day or two later, if that long, you were, you were off to wanting something else. Here's something else we think. I've got to be liked by everybody to be happy. I'll be content when I know that everybody likes me. Now, I know, I know there are people... In here probably and in this world that say, I don't care what anybody thinks about me. I'm just going to live my life and do what I think. But if you pull that person off to the side and interview them and watch them and see what they do and listen to what they say, there are people in their lives 
that they care about what those people think about them. Everybody. Okay? But the problem that we can have is that we, want, we can take it to the, to the extreme and we'll be happy when we know that everybody likes us and everybody is happy with us. And that's the myth behind popularity. If, you know, you know contentment is going to come to me immediately when I know that everybody likes me. And, you know, that's impossible. It's not going to happen. Um, Bill Cosby said one time that the key to failure is trying to please everybody. Now, I don't know if you want to take advice from Bill Cosby or not, but I think he hit the nail on the head right there. The key to failure is trying to please everybody. Now, if there's anybody in this world that could please everybody, who is it? Yes. If anybody, if anybody could please everybody, it would have to be Jesus. But did Jesus please everybody? Did he? No. There were people that did not like him at all. So if Jesus can't please everybody, what makes you think that you can? What makes me think that I can or that I need to waste my time trying to get everybody to like me? If I waste my time trying to do that, then I'm doomed to be discontent. And this contentment that he's talking to us about in Philippians 4 is not going to come to me. I'm not going to learn it. Okay? And there's another thing. There's plenty of other things, but I want to point this one out. Again, if I have more stuff, if I have more, I will be happy. And the reason I want to point that out is, you know, the Rockefellers were, were some of the richest people in the history of this country. And one day, John D. Rockefeller was asked, what would make you happy? How much more would it take to make you happy? And his answer was, just a little more. Just a little more. This to somebody who had everything. I'll be happy if I can get just a little more. And that's the mentality that we always have. If I can get just a little more. Just a little more for myself. Just a little more than they have. Just a little more than they've got. I'll be happy. But here's what Ecclesiastes tells us in chapter 5. The foolishness of thinking that wealth brings happiness. The more you have, the more you spend, right up to the limits of your income. The more you have, the more you spend, right up to the limits of your income. Have you ever experienced that? The more that you make, the more you start spending. Got a little extra money? Start spending more money? I mean, that's what money's for. You make money to spend money, right? You don't worry so much about putting it away or saving some of it back for a rainy day. But, you know, if, if having more produced contentment, then it would be the rich people that are the most content people. But we don't see that either. Because, again, from the mouths of one of the richest men ever, just a little more. I'll take just a little more. And so what we get from these, these statements here is that happiness is definitely a choice. You know, I choose not to be a slave to have to having something. I choose not to be a slave to making everybody like me. And I choose not to be a slave of having more and more and more stuff. Instead, I choose to be content with what I have, and I choose to be happy. And that all sounds well and good, but what, what brings it home for me and what kind of nails it in is the fact that God wants us to be content. God wants us to be content with what we have. He expects us to be a contented person. How do you know that, William? Well, the only way I know anything about God is by what Scripture says. I've got some verses I want to share with you here that make it clear uh, that it's not only good to be content, but that God expects us to be content. So let's look at these verses. First uh, Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 9. These verses help to cultivate a, a spirit of peace and contentment in our lives. Listen to this. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts 
which drown men in destruction and perdition. Now that is absolute truth right there. When you are born anything in this end of this world with you, I have, I have witnessed firsthand one birth. That's the birth of my son. And when he came into this world, he had absolutely nothing. He didn't bring anything with him. Nothing. Now, except what God had given him. And God gave him a big mouth, and that boy was all arms and legs, I tell you. But he didn't bring anything. He didn't bring a watch with him. He didn't bring a car with him. Uh, he, he didn't bring a toy with him. He didn't bring shoes with him. He didn't bring anything with him. Not, no, not even that. He didn't bring anything with him. And you know, we, we say along with you can't take it with you. One thing you'll never see. A U-Haul. Is that what they say? You never behind a hearse. Paul says that we shouldn't think that having things is going to provide contentment to Let's look at Luke chapter 3, verse 14. Um, this is going to help us to express right living in, in our lives. Verse 14 of Luke chapter 3, And the soldiers likewise demanded of him, saying, What shall we do? And he said unto them, Do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely, and be content with your wages. Be content with your wages. Now, I think this is one of those verses where you say, I'm just not going to pay that much attention to that one. I, I like John 3.16, but don't tell me to be content with my wages. I don't like that. That doesn't sound good. Well, isn't somebody always complaining about working too hard and not getting paid enough? We, I think we've all probably, I think we've all probably said that, or we've heard somebody say that. And you know, complaining comes very easy. All you got to do is is close your mouth for a while and listen to what's going on around you and what's being said around you. We're probably going to hear some complaining going on. And you know, I don't think God expects us to be lazy. I, I know that He doesn't want us to be lazy, but I also believe that there is nothing wrong with trying to better yourself. I think there's nothing wrong with trying to improve your situation. Uh, you know, it just makes sense when a couple starts having children that their, their monetary needs are growing, so there may be a need to get a better job and to help provide for the family. And that's just common sense, and God expects that of us to take care of, of our families. But until that opportunity presents until an opportunity to get a better job or to make more money presents itself, are we demonstrating discontent with our present situation? Do we have that you can take this job and shove it, I ain't working here no more mentality? And I don't know what it is about country music this morning, but it's in my head for some reason. But do we have that mentality? You know, take it and shove it. I ain't working here no more. I don't get paid enough to work here. And again, you know, what shall we do, they asked. And he said, don't do violence to anybody. Don't accuse anybody falsely. And be content with your wages. Um, when we're discontent with our wages, we're, we're complaining, we're worrying, and we're making the situation miserable for the people around us as well. And then let's look at Hebrews 13, chapter, uh, 13 verse 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have, for he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You know, you know what God is encouraging us to be is he wants us to be thermostats. He doesn't want us to be thermometers. Now, what's the difference between a thermostat and a thermometer? A thermostat controls the, te the temperature. A thermostat controls the temperature. A thermometer just registers whatever the temperature is. So if you choose happiness, and if I choose happiness, and if we choose contentment in a situation, that's, that's what God wants us to do. To be content whatever situation I am in. And when we are discontent and we start wanting this and wanting that, it can lead to a, a, a problem called coveting. Coveting what other people have. And we know because of the Ten Commandments, that's something that God is not pleased with. And I want to please God. And I want to I make God happy. And I want to hear what God has to 
God is telling us here to be content with what you have. And I know the, the worldly advice is don't, don't settle, don't settle, don't just settle. But I believe the Holy Spirit is the one that pokes and prods us to moving. If we're in a situation we don't need to be in, then we, we trust the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. I mean, what you got the Holy Spirit for, people? What, what do I have the Holy Spirit for? Just to call on when I got a problem? Or am I asking Him daily, guide me, show me. If, if you think I need to be here, then I, I want to go there. Let me know. And so I can choose happiness no matter what my situation is. I can choose contentment no matter what my situation is. And what I want to be and what I'm still learning how to be, I want to have a consistency in my life to where I'm not derailed and I don't, I don't go crazy when something happens that I'm not happy with. Because things are going to make me unhappy. But I can choose because it is a learned and acquired ability to be content and to be happy. Let's move on to the next thing. We're going to be looking at verses 10 and 12 here. And I think Paul tells us in these verses that contentment is adjusting to what's going on. Contentment is adjusting to our circumstances, being able to adjust. He said, satisfaction in life comes from adjusting to our circumstances. In other words, you're going to have ups and downs in your life. You're going to have happy times. You're going to have sad times. You're going to have times of need, and you're going to have times of prosperity. We're going to have ups and downs in our lives. Verse 10 says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. And what he's talking about here is that the Philippians loved Paul. And they wanted to be able to support him. But there were times in the past where they were unable to do that. But that they were on an upswing now. And they were able to send some support. And Paul was grateful for that. And he wanted to let them know how grateful he was. Um, you know, when it talks about they didn't have opportunity there, it means that they didn't have the ability. Have you ever wanted to give for something or give to something? And, but you looked at the finances and you realized now is not the best time to give. And, well, then that's when you ask the Holy Spirit, do I step out in faith and give what I got anyway? Or do I need to hang on to this for a need that my family might have? And then sometimes you're in a situation where, hey, I got some extra money. This ministry needs help. This person needs some assistance. I'm going to pass it on and, and to God be the glory. But that's the situation that the Philippians were able to give. And for Paul... To, to say this and to, for him to say it the way he said it, he cared so much for these people. He cared so much for the Philippian people that he even took a moment to say, hey, I get it. I know there are times when you can't, can't give help. And I know there are times that you're going to be able to give help. But I think in these words what he's saying is, hey, people, I love you no matter what, whether you can give or whether you can't give. But your life is just like mine. You have ups, you have downs. You have times of need and you have times of prosperity. So you learn how to adjust in those times. You, you learn how to adjust. Sometimes you're going to be paycheck to paycheck. Sometimes you're going to have lots of money. You're going to have extra money. Sometimes you're going to be hungry. Sometimes you're going to be filled. Sometimes you're going to have needs, big needs. And then sometimes you're going to be in abundance. And Paul's saying, hey, you've got to be flexible in your life. You've got to be flexible. But I like consistency i want lots of money to always be in my checking account always to be in my account i don't like not the money that i feel like i need you know i i, I want that consistency but there are times when that's not going to happen and i got to be willing to adjust and be flexible um i want to know how to handle situations that are good and i want to be able to handle situations that are bad, and I want to maintain that spiritual equilibrium throughout all of that, that feeling of contentment, not unease, not anxiety, not worry, not fear, because all those things, God said, don't have those. But He wants me to be content. And so I think Paul is saying here that one of the things that you got to do 
is be able to adjust to change. And, you know, you got to be flexible. I can remember back when we would go on mission trips uh, with the youth uh, when I was youth pastor. And, you know, one of the lessons I learned early on was that you got to be flexible when you go on when you when you go anywhere with teenagers. Can I get an amen? Somebody say amen. Okay, amen. You got to be flexible because when we would go on mission trips, we'd be up in Washington D.C. and they had given us an itinerary. And when we get there, everybody finds out that we're sleeping on old mattresses. In, in some church balcony, and it looks like 400 people have slept on this mattress already. And I don't get my own room. i got to sleep besides all these people that are snoring. And the balcony makes the snoring bounce off the walls. I'm not getting any sleep. And then I wake up in the morning, and I'm like, ah, oh, hot shower is all I need. And then you go and you get in line because there's one shower. And there's 10, 15 teenagers that need to take a shower. And, you know, and you got to be flexible. And then they say, hey, you know, we were going to go down to uh, 5th Street to feed the homeless at the, at the Presbyterian Church. We're not going to be able to do that today. Instead, we're going to go over to the hospice and we're going to minister to AIDS patients. And you're like, oh, I want to go feed the homeless people. You know, why have we got to do that? You know, you got to be flexible. And what a lesson learned. And that was, you know, and, and to be able to see in other people's lives that have got got this contentment thing down and they're flexible and when you hit them with a something that shake the foundations of most people they're like okay all right well we'll see what we can do and i've seen that modeled in my life with people around me and it's been such a tremendous encouragement i can live that way as well this got to be flexible that's what he's telling us here verse 12 i know what it is to be in need i know what it is to have plenty i have of being content in any such situation whether well-fed or hungry and there but there are some things that are going to hinder us from being flexible and, and being able to adjust to things and one of those things is that we we will compare ourselves to other people and we've talked about this many times comparing ourselves to other people is never ever a good idea never a good idea and with the advent of social media that we, we tend to do that even more than we used to. At least when we were home, when we used to be at home and didn't have phones, cell phones and Internet, we weren't looking at everybody and what they looked like and what they were doing. Now we get our phones out and we're looking at everybody else's life and we're not content with ours. And we're looking at what they're doing and we're not content with the way we're living our lives. And that's just a recipe for, for being constantly miserable. So don't make a habit of comparing yourselves to other people because what it will do is it will rob you of contentment and it will also promote covetousness in your life. I want what they have. I want that. I want to do that. I want to live that. That's who I want to be. You know, we always have this idea that, that other people have it better than we do. But Paul reminds us, be content whatever situation that you're in. How do you feel when somebody who's the same age as you, the same uh, education, has the same education as you, how do you feel when they get a bigger house than you? How do you feel when they get a newer car, a nicer car? How do you feel when they wear nicer clothes or get a better job? Why can't I have that? I'm, I'm no different than them. Why can't I have that? Be content with what you have. Listen to Paul. Listen to what Paul is saying. We also need to stop being controlled by circumstances around us. Um, we can't blame. Uh, we, we tend to blame how we're feeling and what we're saying on the circumstances that are around us. And we say things like, you know, I would be happy if only this or if only that. The problem is we have an unrealistic, we have an unrealistic expectation of life. How did that come about? Well, you know, I think a lot of that had to do with our culture and the way things have progressed through the years because we know people and, and a lot of our, you know, a lot of our uh, relatives went through the Depression. And then a lot of people uh, heard about it and we've, we've studied about it. 
in school. And we, as we have become parents and as we have become adults, we have said to ourselves, we are not going to live that kind of life anymore. I want my children to live a better life than I did. They're going to have it better than I did. And that's a nice thought, but in many cases, we have taken that way too far. Way too far. We've given too much. And so we have generations that are growing up thinking that they have to have exactly what mom and dad had. You know, when I start off, I want to have what mom and dad have now. I want the three-bedroom, two-bath house. I want two cars. I want a great job, and I want money in the bank. And what kid coming out of college is not going to want that but have we have we have we taught our children have we taught our young people to expect that from us and have we taken things too far and given them an unrealistic expectation of what life is supposed to be and then woe unto me if a problem if i have a problem and not only do i not have three bedrooms two baths two cars and a full bank account i got this problem to deal with And it's not fair. And I shouldn't have to go through this. And I'm not going to say these words, but I'm entitled and I shouldn't have to. And I'm not going to say that, but that's what's going on. And I shouldn't have to have problems, even though God said that I would. And I shouldn't have to go through this because I'm looking at other people and I'm comparing myself with them and they're not going through this. And again, where's, where's the contentment? It's not there. What if you have health problems? What if you have health issues? Why is God doing this to me? You know, this feeling of, you know, it shouldn't be me. I'm, I've been good. I don't deserve this. And I, he'd always go back, if I had been given what I deserved, there's no way I'd be on my way to heaven now. There's no way my sins would be forgiven. There's no way I'd have a relationship with Jesus Christ if I had been given what I deserved. He told us we're going to have troubles. And he never promised that when we get, go out on our own, we're going to have all those things. But he did say, I will never leave you. And I will never forsake you. And I will always be with you. And then I think, too, we need to, we need to stop complaining. To stop complaining. And this will help us to be able to adjust to our situations. We need to stop complaining and we need to start praising. Polar opposites. And yet we tend to really be good at complaining and not so good at the other stuff. So when you complain, and when I complain, I'm going to increase not only my anxiety, but the people around me too. But when I praise God, that's going to be of a benefit not just to me, but it's going to benefit you as well. Because when I'm starting to thank God, especially if I'm in the middle of bad stuff happening, if I'm praising God and somebody sees that I'm able to do that, even with what's going on in my life, that's going to be an encouragement to them as well. Do you see how totally different the situations are? If I'm complaining, everybody's going to jump in on it and everybody's going to be mad. But if I'm praising, it's going to get people to stop and think, well, you know, I've got a lot to be thankful for as well. Numbers 11.1 says, complaining displeases the Lord. And Psalm 77.3 says, I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. What if when we woke up in the morning, uh, we thanked God for the good night's sleep that we had instead of saying, man, I wish I could stay in bed. I hate the fact that I've got to go to work. See the difference there? I read somewhere and I think this is a great idea. Somebody once said that one week out of our lives, we need to take our paycheck and we need to go to the bank and we need to cash that check and we need to ask for all ones. And then we need to go home and take those $1 bills and lay them out on the floor and see, get a visual of how blessed we are. And then we might say, well, William, a dollar doesn't go nearly as far as it used to. Well, that the person that would say that, and I'm one of them, that's who this message is for. I'm thankful for what I do have. Whether I'm in want or whether I am prosperous, I'm thankful for what I've got. Thankful and grateful for what I have. God's been so good to us. 
And he tells us in, in uh, Philippians 2.14, he says, do everything without complaining. So contentment and satisfaction is an acquired trait. And i got to learn how to adjust no matter what happens in my life. But one more thing I want to share with you. And that is, that comes from the verse that we know better than most any other verse in the Bible, apart from John 3.16. And it comes from Philippians 4.13. And in that verse, we are reminded that we can be confident in God's power. I can be confident, you can be confident in God's power. Because my contentment comes from the fact that I am anchored as Elizabeth sang today. I am anchored in Christ Jesus. And I can do all things through Him who gives me strength. That's what He tells us in Philippians 4.13. God will supply the strength. The word for strength in this verse is dynamis. It means dynamite. So there's power. He has the power. He is the power. He is the most powerful one. So contentment is possible, most especially, and really only, if I have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if I have Christ in my life. Because without Christ, I am doomed to live a life of pride where I think that I am responsible for all my happiness and I can take care of making my own self happy. But I need Jesus Christ because through Him, I can do all things and I can be content. You know, I'm not even sure if it's okay for me to say, you know, I don't really want to be rich. I want to have just enough money in the bank to pay my bills. And I want to have enough money that never once in a while I can take a trip and not have to worry about how much money I spend. I just want, I just want that much money in the bank. But you know, what if I don't have that? What if I never have that? Am I okay with that? Am I content with that? Is Paul is content with no matter what happens? I think we're more like the guy who, when he was asked, would you like to be poor and happy or rich and miserable? Poor and happy or rich and miserable? Think about that for a minute. Would you rather be poor and happy or rich and miserable? I'm so interested in your answer and mine. But this is what he said. I would rather be semi-rich and moderately depressed. That's, there's no different than saying, hey, if I just have enough money in the bank to pay my bills and go on vacation every once in a while, we're never going to be able to reach that level of contentment. You know, even our historical figures have shown us that. Alexander the Great, when he had conquered all that there was to conquer, he cried because there was nothing left to conquer. And that's the discontent that we all feel. And, and there's that longing that everyone has. And we have to submit that to Christ, just like we do any problem that we have. God, I'm, I'm not content with my life. I'm not content with my job. I'm not content with my relationships. God, is it because I feel like I, I should have what everybody else has? Is it because I feel like I should be like them? Is it because I feel like if I just had this and just had that, everything would be okay? When you have told me that if I have you, I have everything that I need. You know, bottom line, people matter more than things do. People matter more than things do. We saw this when Paul spoke to the Philippians. And he said, hey, I get it. There were times when you couldn't give. And right now you can. He's basically saying, I love you whether you can give assistance to me or not. Because he knew that more important than that assistance and that money or that gift that he would receive were those people. People are more important than things. That's always the case. Um, the guy that wrote the Jungle Book, Rudyard Kipling, he was addressing a graduating class one day. And I really like what he said. He said, someday you're going to meet somebody who doesn't care that much for wealth or fame or personal attention, and you're going to realize just how poor you really are. These, are these things important to us, or are people 
people's souls, people's eternity. Being content is having the attitude that helping other people is something I can do and something God wants me to do. And another thing we need to realize, and, and we're so we're forever going to be dealing with this, is the fact that spiritual matters are more important than fleshly matters. Okay? What, what do I mean by that? Well, Paul himself, Paul, his body was never really in that great a shape. He had a lot of health issues. He had, we believe he had vision problems. Some people felt like he maybe experienced migraine headaches. Um, you know, I know some people who have migraine headaches, and it's a miserable experience. And it's, it's, it's something that I've never had, but to hear somebody talk about it, it's horrible. Kidney stones. To hear people talk about kidney stones. I hope and pray I never have to go through that, ever. I, I don't want back problems. These are, for some reason, these are like, some of the, the, big, the big, please God, don't let that happen to me kind of prayers that I pray. But Paul went through some stuff, but even, even so, he was content because he knew that the inner man was more important than the outer man. And our culture gets that messed up so bad because we're so concerned with the appearance and the strength and the, and the health and taking it to extremes at times that we are not taking care of our souls we're not letting christ take care of our souls because we're so consumed with everything else and taking care of what god has given you that includes your body is a good thing but listen to what kind of helps balance that for us in first timothy physical training is of some value but godliness has value for all things and doesn't that put it into perspective for us? Godliness has value for all things. And this just goes to show us that true beauty is not on the outside. It's on the inside. And one more point I want to bring out. As we, as we become more and more mature Christians, eternity should matter more to us than what we're going through right now. Because eternity, the promise of eternity, the promise of heaven, the promise of being with Christ forever, it's what's getting us through. Amen? Is that what is getting you through all this mess? The promise of what's coming? Pressing towards the goal? Looking, looking forward to the day? When we all get to heaven and the role is called up yonder, eternity matters more than anything else. And yet we spend day after day after day trying to acquire more and to buy our contentment and to compare ourselves to make sure we're keeping up with everybody else and it becomes such a rat race when eternity is what matters. And there are people around us who were, were just rushing by to buy the next thing or to see the newest thing we're rushing by people who matter. Remember, people matter more than things. And their eternity is not looking good because they don't know Jesus and they're going to hell. And eternity matters more than what is going on in my life right now in terms of what I've got to have and how I compare with other people. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians, Therefore we do not lose heart, Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So what we see is temporary. All these things we've got to have are working hard to get. They're going to tear up. They're going to be replaced. They're going to explode. You're going to break them and drop them. They're, so, they're temporary, temporal. But we are concerned about the unseen. What are you talking about, William? 
heaven. What else are you talking about, William? Jesus. What else are you talking about, William? How about loved ones that have gone on to glory and we'll get to see one day? These are the things that are important to us. That's what's real. And when we are focused on those things, then we can enjoy this contentment that Paul is encouraging us to have. See, contentment is not something that I can give you. It's not something you can buy. It's not something that you can get with one experience. It's something, it's a continuing thing. And I told you earlier, I'm learning. I'm learning to be content in all situations, no matter what is going on in my life. And as I'm learning, as I'm learning how to be content, then what, I'm developing convictions and truths, learning truths that I can hang on to when I'm doing well and when I'm not doing so well in the world's eyes. I'm hanging on to truth, truth, the truth that sets me free in these situations. And spiritual success, I can't take credit for this, I heard this on the radio this week, but I want you to hear this. Spiritual success and contentment comes in cans, okay? It comes in cans. Like what kind of cans and what store can I buy it from? No, 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 back up a little bit. I can do all things through Christ. So this is doable because of Christ and His strength. And I can be content in all things. And I'm ready for anything. I can be ready for anything through His strength, right? Ready for anything. 